Okay, first off, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who subscribed and left a five-star review on iTunes when we relaunched the podcast last week. I was really surprised by how many people pitched in. Hopefully it has a positive effect on how many people listen in to this week's episode. And uh, I've decided to make it a bit of a feature. So what we're going to do is funny five-star reviews. So you can say whatever you want. You can be as rude as you want. You can make it about me. You can use this as an opportunity to take the piss out of one of your friends. And as long as you leave me a five-star review, I will read out the funniest five-star reviews at the end of next week's episode. Uh, You know, why not make this fun? Um... And second, uh, cards on the table, this is actually the first ever episode of Mixtapes with Mike. Um, But it wasn't until five or six episodes in that I really realised how I wanted it to sound in terms of production and editing. So what I've done, or what this relaunch has afforded me, is the chance to go back and remaster this episode and make it sound uh, like the others do. Um, so this is the first ever episode with Andrew McBurney. I hope you enjoy it. This all feels a little bit awkward because this is the first ever episode. So basically, I'm number one though. That makes me. Yeah, you are number one. I'm number one. Yeah, you 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 are that important. Yeah, um, I mean, so, I'm on the worst one that's really a mess and they'll all get really slick after this. So. Yeah. So basically, rather than um, start another podcast where stand-up comedians talk about comedy, uh, I try to think of something that everyone is passionate about outside of, of comedy and, and it's definitely music. So what, I've, what I'm doing is I'm inviting people over so they can go through some, some of their music. And the idea is that you can listen to us chat about the songs on the way to work on your commute and if you like what you hear you can listen to the playlist on the way home is my hope um, so nice. you're actually a musician yourself as well yeah I like music more than comedy what, so. is, what, what is your twitter handle at indie bellend at indie bellend so That'll probably be explained a lot in some of the choices. <laughs> not not as much, actually. I've tried to just... I could have put, like... It's ten tracks, isn't it? Yeah. So I could have, like, just done ten B-sides of obscure... Uh-huh. You know, Norwegian bands, but probably wouldn't be that interesting to listen to, especially not for the first episode of your podcast, if you want to kick it off in style, so there's plenty of famous stuff in here that I like. Yeah, I mean, when, you, when you say indie, I think for most people it probably creates images of, like, maybe Britpop era... Kind yeah, of stuff, yeah. It's, but it's really, a, indie just it's more about independent labels. So it was it was a really broad term back in the day. Yeah, yeah. It's but a it very loose term. It doesn't really mean anything yeah. anymore. But like, yeah, just kind of jangly guitar music um, by kind of geeky people. Yeah, pretty much describes a lot of it. But that's very dismissive as well. But. Yeah, it could describe Oasis as well, and you wouldn't say they're like that. So yeah, mm. it's a bit, it's a bit of a crap term like rock. That doesn't really mean anything, does it? So no, it doesn't really nail one thing down, does it? Um, mm. So, how long have you been playing guitar as well? 
Um, oh, years and years and years, but I only really play it for like fun now. I used to take it really seriously when I was in a band and that's what I wanted to do with my life and that didn't work out. So I'm doing comedy now. So how long were you in the band? 10 years. No way, what were you called? I'm called 35 Seconds, oh. which was pretentiously based on a Charles Bukowski poem. Um, it's just a little thing about a guy who walks into a bar and he gets punched in the face and then just wakes up on the floor and realises all that happened within the space of 35 seconds. And we thought, we'll try and be like that musically. Yeah. He's so deep. <laughs> yeah, we never managed. <laughs> so how many of you were in the band? Uh, five of us. There's two guitarists, a singer, a drummer and a bassist. So classic indie. Yeah, yeah nice. It's fun. We're all still friends, though. Well, that's nice. Yeah, and the, the other guitarist, whenever I do sketches and stuff, he's like a sound man now. Mm-hmm. And he does a lot of the sound design for stuff. And we've done the show in Edinburgh, he did all the sound design for that. Um, the singer for the band helps me out with gigs in London because he's ended up being part of the comedy industry <coughs> separately as well. He works for um, like a kind of GLA or like a comedy bookers. So, ground rules for this are that it's your 10 favourite tracks you're not allowed to have more than one song by the same artist um, it's called the Rob Kemp rule um, it's, it's been dubbed that just just this evening um, uh, and we've got some bonus categories that will be for later episodes which we'll be sort of recording separately um, but your first track for your mixtape is what? It's Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now by The Smiths. Okay, big Smiths fan then? Yeah, I think they're the greatest band of all time. Better oh. better than The Beatles. Better than The Beatles? I know, like, that's it's purely subjective, but like, they're my favourite band of all time. But they only existed for five years, and I think the music they made within that five years is just, well, just unsurpassable for me. So if are, are you are you one of those people that, that that's happy just to leave it where it is, or are are you aching for them to get back together and do like one more tour? Or um, it's one of those weird ones because if they did, I'd be there, I'd be doing the front, uh-huh. but I don't want them to. No. Yeah, because I think it would be shite. But obviously I was too young and I never got to see them, so I kind of ache to do that. And I saw Johnny Marr live singing Smith songs. And it's great fun, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. So Morrissey singing Old Smith songs, but they don't play them right. Um, I'd kind of like to hear them all together again, but like, nah. But I would still go, just because the atmosphere would be electric. And, uh-huh. But uh, yeah, I think that's what's nice about them. It's like no one can touch them. It's okay. Like, yeah, it just exists. So if you hear this track, does it take you back to a particular place, or is it just sort of a constant... Well, a lot of the tracks on here are like from when I was very young. Okay. Because like my dad played music around the house constantly and never really had the telly on, so a lot of my music taste started from when I was like two or three, and it's stuff that stuck with me instead of being novelty acts or like cheap pop music. It's music that I still love now. Um, but like this, I've always loved the Smiths. Just the sound of it, really. It was the music at first. I never really got the lyrics. And then as I got older, the lyrics started to make sense. Like I used to wonder, like, 
he was looking for a job and then he found a job and then he's miserable, which I don't understand. Uh-huh. And then I had to go and get a job. <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking rubbish. I need this. Yeah, yeah. But I don't want this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's totally that. But I, yeah, initially with this mess, it was just the sound of it, just like kind of guitar orchestra and just there's a million melodies going on in there. And I didn't realise at the time they were regarded as miserable and stuff like that. The music sounds so happy to me. Mm. But then, obviously, I know that the lyrics sound dour, but they're hilarious. I've just realised I've been drinking my tea out of an Indie Gods mug and Morrissey is on there. And Johnny Mo. <laughs> yeah, that's the taste most guess. That was unintentional. <laughs> Subliminal. Yeah. Um, right, okay, so we'll, we'll play a little bit of this and then we'll move on to the next track. Come on. next track is by Depeche Mode uh, Enjoy the Silence now I, Depeche Mode is one of those bands where I know odd songs yeah. you know um, the one I, I used to love was um, uh, I, I Feel You Feel You had that yeah. real sort of like that dirty da, 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 that riff and roll. Yeah, yeah that like I, I remember seeing the video for it quite a lot and um, and also the the sort of backing vocals they had they had like a kind of almost like a choral really yeah, atmospheric thing right, going around the back of it yeah I love that tune and then later on I'd hear tunes that I didn't even realise was Depeche Mode yeah. that well that tune was like a massive stylistic change and then they were yeah. like very electro band before that and then they got right into the kind of guitar stuff and they wanted to be a rock god and grew their hair and beards and <laughs> stuff like that so like uh, yeah but before that I can see why it does seem like two different bands yeah definitely yeah. this is from before that it's from just before that right okay um, the, before they kind of went less electro but this, this is my favourite song of all time if I could say such a thing if you have to narrow it down well, so out of, the, out of all music and out of the ten that you've picked this yes, is the, the favourite favourite song of all time yeah oh. I just love everything about it like I've done since it came out and just with every passing year, I, I love it more. Like, it's really minimalistic. It's quite simple. Um, but I just love the lyrics in it. Every tiny little melody that comes in as the song builds, just, it seems like a hymn to me. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't even really know where the lyrics are coming from. I don't know if it's a, a man that's completely broken and at the end of his life, or if it's someone that's just completely figured life out. And... The right way to do it. You can read it both ways, mm-hmm. but when you see them playing it live, and just everybody just gets it. It's just it's like pure musical magic, and yeah, it's just a stunning track. It's the production's a little bit dated, but it kind of makes it sound nice. When they play it live, it's a lot more updated and full on, and there's a lot more bottom end and stuff to it. But the melodies are still just the same. Mm-hmm. So the songs just. I think it's just perfection, basically. That's actually one thing that I was sort of like struggling with 
when I was putting your list together because obviously this is the first basically you sent me your list ahead of time so I yeah. could queue it all up yeah um, and a lot of the time you search for things and then you find that there's a deluxe version or a remastered version yes. and yeah. like do I go as far as giving you that sort of choice yeah. or is that sort of micromanaging it a little bit too much I just tried yeah, yeah. To, I just tried to find the it's most it's nice if you get like 80s kind of stuff you kind of go oh, it's better to put the remastered version on just because it's like they're very quiet mm-hmm. sometimes but like sometimes people mess about with it a bit so it depends how it's been remastered yeah but like that's just like because it was very quiet at the time it's just been boosted a bit oh, okay but, um, yeah it's like what people love this song <laughs> I found it recently one of my mates um, oh, you probably know him, Mike Crump. Yeah, um, little Crumpy. His mum uh, got married and they had this as a wedding song. Oh, really? And I thought that was really lovely. And then I thought about it, and one of the lyrics is in it. Um, <laughs> Vows are spoken to be broken. <laughs> probably not such a good idea, actually. <laughs> but it's a lovely idea, it's just that kind of song. It sounds like it could be like song in a church. Yeah. It's just amazing. Ah. A friend of mine, she got, we were speaking about the Wonder Stuff earlier off mic, and uh, a friend of mine, she came down the aisle to a Wonder Stuff track. Really? And she was trying to get an instrumental version of it, I can't remember the name of it, and she was speaking with the band's representation, and they, they weren't going for it, they weren't even entertaining it, and she was getting really sort of upset, and she was like, it's just this intro, it's just this intro. You know, I managed to give it to a sound engineer mate of mine that, to turn it into a loop um, so that she could just have the, the music. And she was, yeah, she was made up. Oh, really good. Class. So, I so, want know what song it was then. Oh, uh, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll message her when we, uh, when we get a break and uh, we'll try and find out what that was. Yeah. But your next tune is... Enjoy the silence. So, That's the pitch mode done. Um, now, so obviously, you, you gave me, as I said before, you gave me your list ahead of time so I could queue it all up. And this one kind of surprised me because this 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 even predates eighties and stuff. So yeah. T- so so what's this next track? It's uh, Blue Velvet by Bobby Vinton. I just I love it to bits. Well, I like I like the film, but the first time I heard the tune. I probably heard that when I was young as well, and it just sounded so haunting. And it's it's like my karaoke song now. Like whenever I go to a karaoke, like this is the one all day. Badly, but you don't just care. You just, don't give a shit. You're yeah. just in it. I love singing it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I've never done karaoke. Never. Never. Not once. And you sing as well, don't you? Yeah. But That's strange. We should we should go. Should do it. Yeah, I'd like to do it. We're a bunch of comedian pals. That'd be oh, hilarious. Man, that would be hilarious. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if Jack did it as a man of Pima? Oh, that'd be brilliant. Why don't we? We need to organise that one night. That'd yeah. be class. That would be hilarious. Yeah. But this song just. I don't know. Something about it. Just. You can see it like. It's on a really little jukebox from the 50s and just. Ghosts dancing to it. There's, def- <laughs> there's really nice sort of textural elements to it. You know, like the. There's just 
just a touch more reverb than there maybe needs yeah, to be, but it only makes it better. Yeah. And it's got that weird thing of it sounding like a really happy love song, but it's something sinister about it as well. But I don't know if that's just because I watched the film, but there's quite a few songs like for the 50s that sound like that. It sounds really eerie. Yeah, like you know, they're, they're, they're singing about quite romantic sort of notions, but it's all minor and mm-hmm. um, strange. It's, it's it, very romantic, but at the same time, you feel like something's a bit off here. Counterintuitive, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so you so this tune is Blue Velvet by Bobby Vinton. So, moving on from Bobby Vinton and Blue Velvet, your next track is... Waterfall by The Stone Roses. Now, I think The Stone Roses are one of those bands that I'm going to hear a lot of on these mixtapes. Uh, possibly. Uh, I, th- I think there's going to be quite a few people that will have a Stone Roses track. Um, well, I'm first then, so they're all just ripping me off, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, they do mean a lot to a lot of people, and it's understandable. It's, I think it's the way I think the Smiths are the best band of all time. I think the Stone Roses first album is the best album of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's, it's untouchable, it's perfect. Like, they spent five years just working out the songs out, getting the perfect producer, doing it again and again and again, and it's just, I think, it's an actual musical masterpiece. It's like sunshine coming at the speakers. It's just... Absolute perfection. Are you uh, off air with it? No, yeah, I, I, I'm into him. I, I do like him. I think. I wonder if. I wonder if there's ever an, an end to it when you spend that long producing it and reproducing it until you get it the way you want. Do you ever really know when you're done? You know, because like there was. The well, guy I guess that's, that that seems done. That seems like it's self-contained and it couldn't be made better. Yeah. That's yeah. I think that's what's good about a lot of albums. You can go with that. That could have been better, or you could have dropped that song, or well, um, that just kind of rolls from start to finish. I was on a car journey with Phil Paget to Liverpool, and we were talking about the Laz and how he didn't want to let that album go. Yeah, you know, like he he, he wasn't happy, but the record company forced it out of his hands yeah, yeah. to put it out, and yeah. but obviously they, they they arrived at the right place. Oh, totally. Now, go, going back to what I was saying about the Smiths, like if the Smiths performed, would you be there? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the fact that Stone Roses have got back together and they've been playing gigs? And... Well, I thought about gone, and then I heard the first single, and then I thought, that's not it, <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard it? I, I think I heard it on the radio, but I couldn't... It's, it's like the theme tune of Dog Tanyon. So, nah, it's just like, that's, there's no need for this. I don't think I'd even... I think with a Smiths audience I could maybe enjoy it, they'll be very passionate, same as maybe a Stone Roses audience, but there's another element to a Stone Roses audience which is kind of a very laddie oasis kind of mm-hmm. audience. Um, <coughs> when I've been playing like Stone Roses to like people like Damien and 
Jack and that who didn't really know much about them before. They kind of lumped them in with Oasis and stuff like that and I thought it was all kind of just lad culture. And the Stone Roses weren't like that at all. They were into art and... I don't know, they just had very open minds. Uh, if you watch any interviews with them, they know exactly what they're talking about. It's not a kind of just bravado and bluster. There's a lot more to it than that. So they kind of got lumped in with things that I don't think they should have been. So I don't think I'd enjoy a Stone Roses concert now. But I did get to see them back in the day. Oh, so. jealous of that. Uh, what was the last single they released? Before they split, because that, that came out when I was like just starting high school. Like Ten Story Love Song or Love Spreads? Uh, it was. Let me put you in the picture. Or right before. Yeah. Or right, oh, before the second coming, you mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's Love Spreads. Right, yeah. okay. I, I know I was disappointed because I, I remember listening to the evening session, really looking forward to it, and then it was just this kind of Led Zeppelin thing that came on and it wasn't the kind of jangle and like beautiful melodies I was hoping for. Ten story love songs like that on that album, but the rest of it is just kind of got into riffs and stuff. And I liked it at the time, but um, it's disposable <coughs> to me now, but I'll, I'll listen to the first album for the rest of my life, proper. And this track in particular is just like, it's like summer. Like, it just reminds me of like happy times and just, I play it to people now who kind of even have bad thoughts about stoners, go, I don't like them. I think they know what they're like because of their haircuts and mm -hmm. they listen to this and it's undeniable. Uh -huh. It's just one of the greatest songs ever. I think one of the reasons they get lumped in with sort of other sort of contemporary indie bands like Oasis is because I think they were the first guys that people like Oasis were really kind of looking to. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. So. Yeah, I can see why it happened, but um, there's just a lot more to them. There's a lot more art to it. I think than the kind of lad culture that came out of it. Maybe a bit more substance. Yes, big time. Whereas everyone that followed was more about sort of trying to imitate the attitude. attitude. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and the musicianship and out the window and the, the references and the things they were talking about and just the, the sheer depth of the music kind of that went out the window. I mean, I know Oasis fans would argue with that, and I don't. I'm not even just meaning just because it inspired a lot of things, but yeah, in general, I think they stand up as the, like one of the best bands ever when they were at their peak. Okay, so this tune is Waterfall by the Stone Roses. Right, so moving on from Stone Roses and Waterfall, your next track is by Richard Holly. And now, I'm aware of the name, yeah. but I can't say I've ever heard the music, so this will be sort of a, a new thing for me. Oh, cool. So, He's a bit of a cult guy. He was in a band in the 90s called The Long Pigs. I don't know if you remember them. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love them. Yeah, he wasn't the singer, he was the guitarist. But he's but he moved on to singer-songwriter stuff afterwards himself. But yeah, he's very much a part of the sound of the Long Pigs. Oh, um, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I love them as well, big time. Um, they were a band that you you just expected to 
to do way more than they did. I know, yeah, it was kind of crashed and burned. Apparently they all hated each other. Really? Yeah, yeah, really bad. I got to see them live as well, the race. Such a shame when you've got... That's, you know, th- th- there's probably quite a few examples of that where that tension created really, really good music. It works. But it's just f- not f- sustainable. Much, yeah. Yeah, apparently that band it wasn't like f- pr- proper like fist fights between all of them and stuff. Yeah, so he's from Sheffield, which is where they're from. Um, <coughs> but he kind of went into it's maybe not far from the kind of Blue Velvet sound, uh-huh. like fifties style singer songwriting. That's his big influences, and he's put out like five albums now, and they just the music's stunning. It's so rich. Um, he's quite a cult hero like he filled out the institute like last year mm-hmm. um, was it that um, he's got a big audience but he's not really on the radar he doesn't he hasn't had any massive hits or anything mm-hmm. but this song is just one of my favourites ever it's about five years ago so it's probably one of the most current ones on here actually um, and one of your other questions was like about heartbreak songs I've got a different one for that, but like this song proper makes me feel like heartbroken. I used to listen to this before I went on stage, like literally just before to get me in the zone, just if I wasn't feeling like if I was slightly happy, which it's easy to get me in the heartbroken. Well, you, we should probably put that into context then. One, your stand-up style is almost characters. Yeah. So, um, and this. When I, when I, like obviously when you first get into stand-up comedy and you see all the names on Facebook of all the sort of local heads and stuff, um, you know, you, I'd see your name crop up every now and then, so I'd like YouTube you and tr- see, try and see if I could find it, and I actually found the, the heartbreak right. kind of character. What, I mean, did you have a name for him? That's the only one that actually called my real name. Right. Because that was real. Yeah. But obviously it's exaggerated, but the rest of it I give a name to because it's, you know, it's not based on me, uh-huh. really. But that's the first thing I ever did, and so that's Andrew McBurney. But I, well, when we do it in the show and stuff, we call it Heartbroken Guy. Right. So we know what the set is. But um, so yeah. you actually did a set as as a as a guy going out to do stand up, who is recently heartbroken. Yeah. And basically falls apart. Yes. As the set progresses. Yeah. And. Weirdly, it's funny as fuck. Um, listen, I'm sorry if I'm not very funny tonight. <laughs> what it is is, my girlfriend left me recently. I've not been coping very well. I've not been coping very well at all. But what I've done is I've wrote some jokes about it. <laughs> and some observations. And I'll tell yous, and yous might laugh, and then I might feel better. So that's what's gonna happen, alright? Right, here we go. Joke number one. When she was leaving, I said, what are you leaving for? And she said, I'm leaving because I like the simple things in life, but I don't want to end up married to one. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't say that. She just fucked off. It's, uh, I, I saw a YouTube clip of it and then you did it at BBC New yes. Comedy yeah. Awards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I heard it on the radio as well and uh, yeah, really. Yeah, 
very clever. That's my, that's my main thing, really. Everything else, that's why I got any character acts, I kind of, I can't keep doing, yeah. you know, exaggerating that, so that's like one of the main things, but it's, it exists on its own. But yeah, I used to listen to this before I went on stage to get me writing this on, and it worked every single time. I've done a sketch called Melon Comedy um, about that character as well, and before filming any part, I would always like listening to this song, because it just takes me right there. And it's just a gorgeous song, it's just very much in the vein of Blue Velvet, it's just so deep and it's really rich sounding and heartbreaking and strangely uplifting at the same time as well, same as the Smiths. Right. Kind of optimistic in a weird way as well. So okay. it's got all those elements in it. Alright, so this is Lady Solitude by Richard Holly. track is Boys Don't Cry by The Cure so this this fits <laughs> pattern is emerging <laughs> uh, so like I I definitely think people who love The Smiths will also love The Cure I don't think I've ever met anyone who dislikes one and loves the other apart from uh, Robert Smith and Morrissey probably don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, if you're gonna pick, like, yeah, but like average Joes, like yeah, people, true, yeah. people you know, yeah, I know. Um, so Probably like, Robert Smith said, um, if uh, Morrissey keeps telling people not to eat sausages, I'm gonna eat three more. And he looks like he's been holding it. Fucking looks like it, I know. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's that kind of dark eighties thing, but like the Cure. It's a close call between The Cure and The Smiths of who my favourite band would be, but I think The Smiths win because they're encapsulated in time mm-hmm. and they can't mess about. And The Cure put out kind of imperfect albums, but they've probably got a lot more better material than The Smiths overall, mm-hmm. but they've also got a lot more yeah. of stuff you kind of go, that's, that's not very good. So it's kind of like panning for gold with The Cure. Like yes. there's, always a, there's always two or three really good tunes. Always, yeah. But, but then there's stuff you kind of go, well, that sounds nice, but it's not golden, like the yeah. Smiths. But, yeah, I've been obsessed with them since I was a kid as well. And just wanted Robert Smith's life. Like, they put out their first single, Killing an Arab, when he was 15. And then this song, Boys Don't Cry, came out when he was 16. He's never had a job. His entire life has been the cure. Uh-huh. How cool is that? It's nuts. <laughs> I didn't realise he was that young when they when mm-hmm. they started out. Yep, yep. That kind of makes yeah. more sense about how they're still going. Yeah, exactly. That's all he knows. So it's just, it's brilliant, and they changed style dramatically. They were kind of like post punk to begin with, and then kind of got into the whole gothy thing and ended up inventing stuff, and then proper eighties pop, and then like dream pop and disintegration is one of my favourite albums of all time. That's just a masterpiece. And then just live, like, when you see them, when Robert Smith walks on stage, it's like being a Catholic and 
going to see the Pope. <laughs> just the devotion. Just, one, just, of, one of the guys that I'll be interviewing on this down the line is uh, another old schoolmate of mine, Colin Brown. Hello, Colin. You're probably listening. And he is a massive Cure fan. Um, and uh, he played music at his own wedding. Um, that was a really good affair, actually, because, like, um, he had people playing Cure songs during the service. And then at the reception, uh, he made me get up and do a bit with my loop pedal stuff. Um, he played a set with one set of people, uh, and then my other friends, the people I used to be in the metal band with, they had yeah. like a weddings cover band. Um, and so they did a set, and uh, we did uh, Regulate by Nate Dog and Warren G. <laughs> and I got to do the, like half of the vocals. Oh, wow. And then the groom got back on, but with his dad on lead guitar, and he shreds. Yeah. Uh, his new wife on bass, and his brother-in-law, I believe, on drums. So it was a really cool sort of, almost like, almost like later with Jules Holland chopping and changing and people yeah. jumping in with each other. Oh, it was, uh, it was a really, really good day. But it basically made him have to spend a penny on his entertainment. And no, that's great though. You know, weddings like that individualistic, and it's not just going through oh, the motions. Awesome. That's brilliant, man. It was such a good day. It was really, really good. So much fun. And he's a massive, massive Cure fan, so he'll love this. Oh, well, yeah. class then. Well, I didn't, it's one of those ones where I didn't really know which track to choose. I could choose so many, but I just still get a buzz out of this one to this day, even though it's, it's so simple. It's just a perfect pop song, just gorgeous. Cool, so this is? Boys Don't Cry by The Cure. From the Cure, uh, our next track is "Did I Say" by Teenage Fan Club. Now, Teenage Fan Club is a band that I really know next to nothing about, but they are another one of those bands that would always pop up on the indie chart, like yes. on the ITV chart show, which was my, you know, the closest thing I had to MTV when I was a kid because yeah. we, you know, we didn't have a lot, and um, they're a fantastic band. They're from Glasgow, they kind of came to half prominence, well, indie prominence in like the early 90s. Um, like Kirk Ben said they were the best band in the world, um, took them on tour with Nirvana. Liam Gallagher said they were the second best band in the world. <laughs> so people have got a real love for them, but they're still going today. Um, there's three songwriters in the band, uh, they all harmonise. It's all about the songwriting with Teenage Fan Club. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely stunning, and they've got a massive devoted fan base. And when you're kind of in, you're in. And I've never known anyone hear a few songs and then go off them. You just kind of fall in love with them properly. Uh, this song, Did I Say, is just, it's on their best of. It's not on a proper album, it's just, they wrote it 
it's like a, a bridge song to go on that and it's one of my favourites it's I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, you just need to hear it, it's beautiful, um, the harmonies, the lyrics, it's picturesque, and they're definitely one of my favourite bands of them, it's, it makes it feel a bit special when they're just kind of secret to you and not a lot of people know them, um, they're playing the Glee Club in Cardiff, we're going to see them next month, and they're just, I don't know, stunning live as well, just to tell funny stories in between the tracks, and definitely one of my favourite bands of all time. Would you make me a teenage fan club mixtape? Happily. Give me, give me the track listing. Definitely, yeah. So that I can sort of educate myself. Yeah, definitely. And then maybe I could even share it via this at some point further down the line. Brilliant idea. All right, quality. So this is did I say by teenage fan club? Moving on from Teenage Fan Club and the playlist you're now going to be making for us, <laughs> um, your next track is... Let Down by Radiohead. Now, Radiohead is a band that I know a bit more about. Yeah. Because, obviously, you know, they came out sort of when I was a teen. Uh, I didn't have the bends straight away when it came out, but a lot, you know, I really responded to all the singles. OK Computer I was obsessed with. Yeah. Like... The, like B sides on some of the singles as well, off. like uh, Pearly and uh, Electioneering. Like that's an album track off of your computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is a. Well, funnily enough, um, teenage fan club sported Radiohead on tour as well because they love them. They took them on tour on the OK Computer tour. I saw them at the NEC. Um, just, well, I think they're the best band in the world right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's brilliant how they're that big, considering the music they make as well, mm-hmm. how experimental it is. Do you like the new album? Uh, I've not listened to it yet. No. It's got a brilliant start and end, <coughs> and some great stuff in the middle of it. I don't think it's a classic Radiohead album. I think In Rainbows is probably my favourite Radiohead album. But with a lot of Radiohead albums, you listen to them initially, mm-hmm. and you... You, it takes a while. It takes a while, and they kind of grow on you. So that couldn't this just be another example of that? Yeah, well, definitely. Um, it's not happening yet. In rainbows, kind of kicked me in the balls very okay. quickly. So the tracks are there. And this one's definitely. It's got loads of experimentation on it, and it's really good. But Bon the Witch, did you hear the single? <laughs> that's one of my favourite radio tracks already. That's amazing. And it's got True Love Waits at the end, which they've been playing live for years, but never put out as a, <laughs> a proper recording. And that sounds stunning. But the rest of the tracks are a bit middling for me. But I've loved them since I was like 13. I went to see uh, Band James, just because Radio was sporting. Right. And I ended up staying just to watch James, just to get my money's worth. And then I ended up becoming like a lifelong James fan as well. Absolutely brilliant, but that was just when Creep was out. Uh-huh. And I got to meet them when I was like 14. I went to the Wolfram Hall in Wolverhampton really early. I skived off school. And <laughs> they were having their photos took for, uh, for the Mail of the Maker by the little 
uh, Lady Wolfrunner statue. Oh, no way. So I got to meet them and just, I went on my own because I didn't have any mates that were into them and they were all really nice to me. I've still got the autographs, which doesn't really happen now. I think they're a bit more reclusive and Tom doesn't do autographs anymore. But like, it was weird seeing them proper grow from my little band mm -hmm. into the massive band they became. But I didn't mind so much because, well, the music was just stunning. But it's still weird to think an album that starts with Airbag could be like a stadium filler. Like, okay, computer, and then Kid A, you'd imagine that would scare loads of people off. Uh -huh. It did, but brought loads of people in as well. Yeah. So, a really inspiring band. And the fact that it actually pushed music forward. And there's loads of people that gave Kid A a hard time initially, but now it's really revered. Of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Proper brave band. And what they did with the record industry with and Rainbow's just putting it out and you could pay what you want a lot of people were against that but they could do that at that point and they're just pushing boundaries and if you still write songs as good as they do then it doesn't matter and Let Down I think is a masterpiece just from start to finish I don't think you get many songs better than this Who's Gonna Rail You Wild Horses by U2. Now, this is a band that divide people. Yes, very much so. Some people love them, some people hate them. I a lot love... of people love them and don't like to admit to it. Yeah. yeah. I personally have fondness for eras yeah. of them. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, there's definitely points where I've gone off them a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if that's the music or just Bono's oh. attitude. Um, that's the main Bono contention, isn't it? Yeah, probably. Yeah. And the whole iTunes thing is yeah, like... really brought people up the wrong way. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to make you have this album. <laughs> and even if uh, even if the album's good, I'm not listening to it. Yeah. You know. I think he's an asshole as well, but I think a lot of my heroes were probably assholes. I mean, Morrissey is... Prince probably was... Robert Smith doesn't seem like one, but probably is. I don't mind it so much if I'm not having to actually deal with them myself, but Bono seems like, yeah, that'd be, <coughs> that'd be hard to deal with on a regular basis. But their music's that good, and the output's that outstanding. I don't mind. It's weird standing up for, like, being a out and proud U2 fan when they're, like, one of the biggest bands in the world, but it does feel like it's, like, an embarrassment for a lot of people and go, you like U2? Strange, but I I think that's more of a recent thing. Like if it was, you know, if it was mid nineties, mm. think of the biggest band in the world. You know, the black leather era with the massive black shades, that where he had that bit. kind of fly look. Yeah, that was the coolest. That they were inescapable. Yeah, you know. Well, that's like Tom Bebera, which is the album this tracks off. But yeah, I'm a massive fan. But it's weird. I don't have many other friends that like them at all. I've got two, maybe. I know Full Paget likes them as well. Uh -huh. But 
So recently, like in the past six months, me and one of my friends have actually started having you two nights. We actually start at eight o'clock round here in my flat, and we just listen to you two music and watch you two DVDs, and <coughs> we often go until like eight o'clock in the morning. What? Honestly, yeah, that's how much we like them. Holy shit! And that sounds really boring, but we've had like five now, and they've been really ace. <laughs> Honestly, it's a, it's a bit strange, but yeah, it's, you can get quite devotional with them. Especially live. Yeah, and like if you you know if you if you you know if you've got something you love that much and you can just immerse yourself in it. Yes, exactly. And you've got someone who's there with you. Mm-hmm. You might as well enjoy it. It is yeah. a special man. Have you ever seen them live? Never. It's one of those things. I think I would imagine like they might be one of those bands that you wouldn't ordinarily go to see but you end up seeing it and then you're like, fuck, that's a good show. Yeah. A lot of people's partners get dragged along to it and end up becoming YouTube fans afterwards, uh-huh. friends. That's maybe a good category for a bonus episode, actually. A band that you would never go to see, but saw live and went, fuck, that's a good yeah. show. Yeah, I was like that with going to see James, just because Radiohead was sporting. Mm-hmm. And then just going, oh, I don't know, sit down. And that's quite good, but I don't know if I'll enjoy this. And then two hours later, it's like, oh my God. That's amazing. Marilyn Manson. Did that happen to you? Yeah, I think it was, I think it was Leeds Festival. And just the the theatrics. Yeah. And like, he was on like four stilts wandering around like some sort of sci-fi beast still singing. Yeah. You know, and there was, but it was all very industrial looking, you know, like framework and flames. And I was just, you know, I can imagine enjoying that live even if you're yeah, just like unbelievable. Yeah. And I was just like, that's a fucking good show. Big time. And you can't deny it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So But you two, yeah, this is Who's gonna rail your old horses off act on baby? from U2 we come to our final track now earlier we were speaking about Richard Hawley and you pointed out that he was part of the Lone Pigs and how we talked about that kind of era 90s band 90s sort of guitar bands and TFA Friday Mm -hmm. and that's when you mentioned Manson and you kind of took a moment Mm -hmm. and you've actually ended up substituting one of one of the tracks that you originally sent me so that you could put in a Manson track. Now, what was the tune that you bumped off? I was going to put in Hungry Heart by Bruce Springsteen because, well, I really like the song, but um, I was going to talk about my mum because she's a massive fan, has been since the 70s. And I kind of grew up listening to him and then got into him in my own right in the past 10 years. But... He's my mum's kind of guy, really. I got to see him this year, and he was amazing uh, with my mum, and it was brilliant. But when we were talking about Manson, they meant more to me. So in this track in particular, Legacy, and the album it's off, Six, 
We just came back from Port Marion this weekend, which a series called The Prisoner was filmed in, and a lot of that album is about that series. And the lyrics in this track are the most grim lyrics ever, but I love them. Uh, nobody cares when you go. Reading novels is banned by the Marquis de Sade. Just stunning, and the music on it, just the guitars, just chime. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Tears for Fears, I love them. But it's just, it's such a perfect song if you start to finish. And they're a great band as well. And Six is one of my favourite albums. The album before that was Eights as well. Yeah. Like a great Lantern. Yeah. And you see, you're a fan, aren't you? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that was, that was kind of almost fortuitous that, that we yes, started talking about it. Yeah. And then you've ended on one of my favourite songs. Yes. Um, I remember watching, I was watching The Prisoner when you Yeah, came that's weird. Like, you, <laughs> you went to Fort Marion. Yes, we can. Uh, was yeah. it for your birthday? Yeah, early birthday present. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. Took, like she'd been to the place where the, the prisoner was filmed. I walk in and it's on, and then we ended up talking about this, and I had no idea there was a connection. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you look in the cover, you can see number six <coughs> sitting there playing chess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I um, I used to work at the at Drayton Manor theme park. Did you? Like as a summer job. It was awesome. That was one of those, you know, those depressed-looking fuckers that walk around with a dustpan on a stick and a, a broom and you're just emptying the bins and stuff but it was awesome because you're out in the sun all day and you're just waiting for girls to come off the water rides in white t-shirts <laughs> chatting up the girls fucking bastard I was I was 16 <laughs> so um, and, and chatting up the girls in the kiosks getting free hot dogs and stuff you know it was it was amazing and um, there was a, there was a girl and a guy that worked in the the burger joint that was up by the mining sort of looking section where the shopware is and we got on like a house on fire and we started talking about music and we realised that we liked a lot of the same bands like Foo Fighters mm-hmm. you know because we're talking like Colour and the Shape kind of era yeah. and uh, and Manson was another one of those bands and it was her that lent me six um, and and yeah, and, and Legacy was literally one of those tunes that you just obsessed about yeah. and played on a loop, and, you know, <laughs> almost to the point of being sick of it, but never quite getting there. Yeah. So I'm just stunning melodies. Yeah. Have you ever sat down and read the lyrics? Jesus, <laughs> it's about nothing mattering. But all relationships are empty and temporary. <laughs> you get married, don't you? I already am, I already am. So, I'm already locked in for that, so it's this, fine. Was this the wrong one to end on? <laughs> I know, I think it's kind of it's weird, it's weird. synchronistic yeah. that we're, we're ending on this, mm-hmm. and it's it's been a pleasure to talk to you, so we'll, we will end on Legacy um, by Manson. So, that concludes this week's episode. We've deliberately kept the music played below the conversation because we believe that all musicians should be paid something for what they do. So if you'd like to listen to the mixtape in full, you can find it on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the links in the show notes of this episode. Or you can find and follow the Facebook page Mixtapes with Mike and I'll share those links on the post that announces this episode. 
If you've enjoyed the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would share it on your social media with anyone you think would enjoy it. It would mean even more if you would leave us a positive review on iTunes as that will help us reach a larger audience. But in the meantime, I'll see you next week for another episode of Mixtapes with Mike. Mixtapes with Mike.